what can brands do or what can companies do, and media companies in particular, you have to think about what that currency is. And for us in sports space, the currency is that common language, a fandom, a, 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 a component of a, of a, you know, people talk about the, the Red Sox nation or the Cubs nation. Like that is a community of people who actually converse generationally and across geographic footprints about the same topic. So, yeah, again, going back to what are leaders of every organization, even outside of sports and media, doing to engage their employees and customers, especially your employees? I mean, more than just an email. Maybe it's a podcast or maybe it's some way to engage them. But and one of the things I talk to leaders a lot about is your employees are on social media. What's coming up in their social media? Well, it's probably a logarithm of their favorite sports teams, but also maybe Simon Sinek, maybe uh, Brene Brown. What about the leaders inside your organization? Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Lead the team, nation. Hang on to your hat. I've got a fun one for you today with Craig Sloan, who is the COO, that's the Chief Operating Officer of Playfly Sports. If you're not familiar with it, Playfly Sports is the emerging leader in sports marketing, media, and technology. By connecting more than 2,000 brand partners and approximately 83% of all U.S. sports fans across the professional, college, high school sports, and esports arenas, Playfly is delivering scalable, data-oriented marketing and media solutions at the local, regional, and national level. Now, back to Craig. He's worked for over two decades in the Fox Sports structure, including a media sales group, the naming rights business, and a college multimedia rights business as well. And he was appointed the COO of the now two-year-old Playfly Sports last fall with a proven history of helping create businesses that defragment the sports industry. Craig, welcome to Lead the Team. It's great to be here, Ben. Thank you. You said it better and more enthusiasm I probably could have said as well, so I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I know I've got to show off a little bit for <laughs> the media sensei that you are. I think you have a few folks over there uh, in your Fox Sports history that probably do a pretty good job, too. That's true. Uh, <laughs> is Can I ask who's your favorite or, or who's been maybe one of your favorites from a broadcasting standpoint, or is that too close to home to ask? No, you know, I've been out of the Fox Sports structure now, Playfly, for over a year and a half. Um, but I, I would say, you know, I, I'm still partial to some of my old co cohorts over at Fox Sports. And in particular, if you sort of look at today, uh, you know, I, I still think, although he's he's moved on, Joe Buck is mm. still, uh, I know he's got a, a bit of a... Um, a polarizing opinion uh, group out there, but but I'm I'm in the pro camp. I mean, he's one of the by the way one of the nicest and funniest people you'll meet off camera, as well. He'd be a stand up comedian. Uh, he's he's that funny. So I, I find him quite engaging. So and we're a little bit off tangent here. So let's roll yeah. with it. 
what makes a great media leader? Oh, uh, well, I'll take it from a perspective of two fronts, actually, Ben. One is sort of on the broader sense of what that means in the media space, and then maybe a little bit more of the sort of businesses I've overseen, maybe on the on the mm-hmm. uh, sales and, and revenue generation side of the business. But you said overall, I, I think the evolving landscape that is uh, the media space today, uh, you have to be truly one step ahead. It's a cliche, but you literally have to be mm-hmm. that, that visionary that can actually project where it's going. Because today, we know a couple of things. Consumers are driving most of the decisions that these major companies are making. It's not as if they're making decisions in a vacuum. Consumers are pushing boundaries of where mm-hmm. and how they experience content. And so they've got yeah. to keep up with either with new technology, new platforms, new development of content, new ways to engage. Um, but that has been a driving force of it. And you see the leaders of it. And I think it's pretty interesting of Bob Iger coming back into the Disney space because he was probably the mm-hmm. best at it for for a long period of time yeah. and it needs to sort of corral it again and say where's the next layer of advancement going and how are people going to engage again five years from now it is definitely going to look different it's just how different is it going to be so um mm-hmm. i think it's visionary again thinking about consumer engagement and where the viewers are actually wanting to engage them with the content and then the from a, a media sales perspective, which is a unit that I was overseeing at Fox and now still oversee within the Platefly structure, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a bit of also understanding what is driving brand interest. So a little bit different from just viewing interest. Certainly brands follow where viewers are going, but it's also the idea of how, in a, in a again, evolving world, a very few ad-supported content uh, uh, capabilities are out there today. I mean, if you sort of think about what it mm. was to what it is, um, the, the, we're programming our own networks essentially these days with how we're putting together and curating our own, you know, media interests. So whether it's in the Netflix and 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 Hulu's and and HBO Max of the world, and it's maybe in a non-ad supported yes. uh, perspective, right? We have moved outside of that space. So as a brand, how do I? engage and, and get into that space. And then the secondary component, of it, if it is in a traditional sense, it is in TV, what is still the same viewing experience that we had decades ago of where it was, you know, sitting around as a family unit in sort of appointment television, you sat there and you took yeah. in all the content and you were engaged. Just watching Cheers, baby. It, it is, right? And elsewhere, that Cheers, was, was watching it. it. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> And we all did. And then we could all come in the next day to the office or to school or wherever and talk about it. And we had a common language. And so the communal component of what's still happening is sports, which is why we love our position today about the sort of durability of that uh, in in the long run. It's live. It's engaging in, in in the very nature of how it's structured and People have been accepting of brands in that space for for decades, and and they 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 really I think uh, understand the pulsing of how the game flows throughout a broadcast. It is such a unique thing to be thinking about when it comes to sports versus every other form of like sitcoms that are you know like like you said Netflix has their own shows, Disney has theirs, uh, you know Hulu. Everyone's creating their own content, but sports it has so much of a, a universal. Uh, recognition and so many different entry points to the players, to the coaches, to the storyline, to the actual games and games themselves. Where where do you see 
podcasting, and of course, this is I'm interested in this personally. <laughs> sure. Where does podcasting fit into this world? Because you said something that really resonated with me. What makes a great media leader and company is their their vision and be able to stay one step ahead. How does podcasting fit in? Well, so, so a few thoughts there, uh, Ben. One one of which is is that we're in the first inning to use a sports analogy of I think the audio business and in particular podcasting part of the audio business. Uh, it's going to continue to evolve, and there'll be with some winners and losers. I mean, uh, the the idea though of what uh, mm. space it fills. It's a long-lasting space. I mean, people have certainly said there is content that we find engaging. We're going to find our way there. I'm going to subscribe, which is another level of commitment. So I'm now mm-hmm. saying I'm not only interested and I've stumbled upon this picture back in the day that the term channel surfing with TV, you don't really channel surf with podcasting. You might browse through a library, mm-hmm. but once you're committed to subscribing, you're in that mindset of this is content that I find interesting. And I've already now curated that as a podcaster. I've curated that for an audience or for a brand that might want to be involved in an audience. So we're big believers in that space. We believe that, again, when it comes to sports, what really drives engagement is fandom. And so if you are a fan of something, you're very likely to Mm -hmm. probably, in most cases, I know I'm this way, have an insatiable appetite. Maybe your Bama interest would be an example of that. Find your way there to to get the content you need. And that content used to be, again, delivered in either one or two formats. And now as a fan, we're winning. We get lots of formats, lots of different ways to engage. And we can do it even in our own time, like podcasting. So um, again, I think, you know, there's certainly lots of great projections. If you look at media forecasts about amount of marketing spend that's going to go against podcasts in the coming mm-hmm. years, at least over the next five or so. Yep. It's got a nice runway in front of it. And we're uh, we're investing in it in ourselves. So at Playfly, we've got our own set of podcasts. We're helping partners launch podcasts. We believe, again, when you think about the, the engagement levels of it, like a day parting a sports fan, that idea of waking up to content, either with a, a newsletter as, as maybe as might seem, you know, back to the cheers days of like getting an email newsletter, but that that engagement is still high. We're curating content for fans of that particular team or property, yeah. and then that day sort of continues with your either your commute or some type of drive experience or workout experience. So you listen, and then you get to your desktop, and then you're engaging in your desktop, and then you come back and you have a commute home, and then you watch your pre and post game at night. And we want to satiate all of those time periods yeah. and all of those interest areas. So many interesting ways, I think, for leaders to be thinking about this, because I think we can all learn a lot from how the sports industry is doing this. And I'm thinking about specifically, like you said, fandom. So no matter what your company is out there, uh, if it's not in sports, okay, uh, you know, but how are you getting in front of your customers, understanding what their touch points are? And it's not all about uh, them consuming the game or your mm-hmm. service. It's also about before and after, you know, connecting with them in, in, in different ways. And I think about leaders from an internal inside their organization standpoint, you know, maybe their customers are internal stakeholders, but what are they doing to connect with them outside of just the meeting or sending a bunch of reports, right? What is your relationship what is updates? How are you connecting with them on a personal level? And I really feel like by looking at the sports industry, yeah, that's what we do that. In fact, for for our podcast, lead the team, 
we're thinking about these things by doing some solo shows on topics that are interesting to them, by, by following up with our guests in interesting ways, helping them share it because it, it goes beyond the moment and um, of the event. So anyway, really cool. Yeah. Well, ben, you know, I'll give you a quick example off of that, that thought process and description. And it's sort of, you know, again, where we're investing, we're investing a ton of time, effort, uh, uh, and actual money into spaces like data and insights because it drives mm-hmm. a lot of our decision-making. So we can actually not really make a guess as much when we actually spend time understanding that behavior and the interest. And so a lot of that is known information. So again, sort of broadly beyond sports, I think data and insights are ways in, uh, that help our storytelling. It helps drive our, mm. our direction. It actually sets up guardrails for us about where we want to invest. So um, it's, it's, it's doing a lot to help drive play fly sports as we continue to move forward. And I think about even, I'll give you an example of what we were just talking about. So consumption habits on sports are really different by generation. And it doesn't mean that you won't hmm. graduate into another level of consumption. But if I look at the way that I engage, or maybe you engage in content for, for regarding my sports team, I can sit and watch an entire game, either in person or on TV. I can listen to it. I can find ways to engage and still stay connected to it. My son, Mac, who's 21, is, you know, in his friend group, is a totally different set of consumers. Still sports fan, diehard sports fans, but yet are totally different in how they consume the content. And they won't sit and watch a three-hour event. They won't maybe even go to a game as much because they're getting their content fed to them in a different means. So um, audio clips, video clips, story lines. I can't stunt them on a story about what's breaking in in sports space, and they consider themselves ardent fans. And yet, at the end of the day, we have two different ways of engaging with that that content. Yes, this idea of breaking up the highlight plays on social on social media. I've noticed that. Yeah. And it, it's been coming for a while, but I mean, like you'll go to say Twitter or something along those lines for your team and you can just watch the top five plays on Twitter. And then the way you engage with it, you can actually tag the player that they've already tagged and the yeah. organization yeah. and leave a comment. And if they tweet you back, you know, you feel like a superhero, like, Oh my gosh, your organization, yeah. you know, we're engaging with it. Yeah. They, they want to be engaged with the content. But they're not well, one, of our, one of our data one of our data sets actually says we as fans today have much more interest than we even used to or maybe even in some cases as much interest as the in season as we do off season so now all of a sudden the off season about player movement and and trades and all the signings and all the things that could be happening what's my team doing to enhance itself is actually it's again what what also ultimately comes down to is its currency so I guess back to your original statement, like what can brands do or what can companies do and media companies in particular, you have to think about what that currency is. And for us in sports space, the currency is that common language, a fandom, a, 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 a component of a, of a, you know, people talk about the, the Red Sox nation or the Cubs nation, like that is a community of people who actually converse generationally and across geographic footprints about the same topic. So. Yeah. Again, going back to what are leaders of every organization, even outside of sports and media, doing to engage their employees and customers, especially your employees? I mean, more than just an email, maybe it's a podcast for them, or maybe it's some way to engage them. But one of the things I talk to leaders a lot about is your employees are on social media. 
what's coming up in their social media? Well, it's probably a logarithm of their favorite sports teams, but also maybe Simon Sinek, maybe uh, Brene Brown. But what about the leaders inside your organization? You know, engage yeah. them where they are versus yeah. just the corporate email. That's true. And oh. and you, if you start to think about even one point, you'd have to almost curate that or figure out ways to, to, to do that on your own. Now, luckily, there's tools even available to us. And we're, we're a big Slack group, if you mm-hmm. will. I'm doing a, a commercial here for Slack. But but we uh, our, our channels are exactly what you just described. And so uh, we have a plethora of channels that we that we articulate, some that are very business oriented. You need to know this information. We'll even pin documents there and things that we find that are that are going to be necessary for for our employees to understand how to engage within the company and how to move forward. And then there are other things that are just fun. You know, we've got channels about sports and trading stories on sports. We've got channels about dogs. So we actually <laughs> have a dog channel and we've got a lot of enthusiasts. So again, it's to your point, it's about finding ways to create that engagement, create an experience that, uh, you know, for many of us, again, we were in an office five days a week. So maybe that detachment that we sort of grew to know a little bit over the course of that, uh, the pandemic, um, we're back to an in, in-office environment, but I don't know if we'll ever be back to a five-day-a-week component. So there'll be times where maybe you might feel disconnected from a person or a group. And so ways to do that and stay in communication so many tools available to us today as leaders that we never had before. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. All right, lead the team nation, because we are a group here. I want to make sure that which that you just remember what Craig said. So we're talking about engage, using the secrets of e- enormously successful sports media companies to engage your employees. And uh, this is the tip of the spear, right? It's more is coming, but uh, Craig, thanks for that perspective on that. Now, I want to move us a little bit into uh, some of your interesting career here. Uh, what do you think has been one of the most memorable leadership lessons uh, that that you've had so far? Uh, I've had a few. I'll tell you a a couple uh, of those, Ben. Uh, One of which happened actually uh, relatively soon after I moved into leadership. I was promoted at a young age and felt as though I had to prove myself. And um, so I probably did that by working long hours, but also by when I was invited into the room, right? They they talk about being in the room. The room Uh, where it happens. Yeah, a room where it happens. Room where it happens, right? Yeah. Exactly. I always yeah. have to have a Hamilton reference. So, <laughs> um, so I was in the room where it happens at a, at a young age, and, and found myself wanting to prove my worth. And so, I found myself contributing uh, often in those settings. And I was finally pulled aside after not too long by the president of our of our Fox Sports group, who, who said in a very um, kind and yet very clear way. You were invited in the room to observe and to grow and to learn, not always to show you the smartest in the room. And he, and he walked away. And and I, that's all I needed. Like it was one of those like early life lessons, but also early leadership lessons of, you know, you don't have to lead from being the smartest person in the room. You can lead 
from actually thinking and listening and, and maybe making a contribution or summarizing whatever those components are. But I was there to not be the, the leader in the room. So, um, and it was <laughs> a humbling to develop you, not have you be our boss in the meeting. Co- correct. Correct. <laughs> and, uh, Wow. Man, I was I, I was I was thrown by it for a couple of days, but I did look introspectively, and it helped me sort of shape how. And I even probably am more communicative about that thought with people that are also in moving up in, in roles that, that I want them to understand. Again, you're talking about people who were peers, and now all of a sudden are in management and/or leadership roles. And I do think there's a difference between management and leadership, and so from that perspective, one of the lessons there is. You, know, you don't have to be talking at people or down towards people. It's about making sure that you're just creating a, a great environment for, for discussion. Yeah, Craig, I'm glad you brought that up because we're especially rising leaders, they get confused by this. And it can be confusing you know, it, because what are the expectations? And just because you get invited to the meeting, what is your role? And I think it's whoever's leading the meeting, it sure yeah. would have been nice if they would have given you that insight before you started. Yeah. Rolling. And, you know, kudos to you for having the courage to just step up. (laughs) Now, sometimes ignorance is bliss too. You're like, I'm here. I'm going to show what I've got. (laughs) But, uh, but, you know, defining the role of of all the participants certainly is helpful. But to recognize how much the power of silence and observation can really be, and maybe give your input to people after the meeting or ask questions. Yeah. But leadership isn't about, always talking a whole bunch. Yeah, I think, and, and again, sort of not commingling the words of leadership and management, I think moving yeah, into management. Talk more about that. Yeah, well, you've got to, you, you know, in management, you, management, you're keeping the lights on, hopefully running an, an efficient shop, whatever the, the the sector of business that you're in. And and uh, the idea of leading, I think, is that just that thought of moving things forward. It's a motion-oriented job. And I think what we try to teach within Playfly is to have our leaders be thinking, even just from a times perspective, ahead of the rest of the group. We've got a lot of folks, and I can imagine this is happening in, in many different parts of the business world, that are mired in, I'm just trying to get to, get through today. I might have my to-do list. I might even accomplish a couple of things on my to-do list, to-do list, but most people are rolling that over day by day. So if you think about that in a compounding effect, and all of a sudden, you know, weeks will pass, months will pass, or even years will pass without having an assigned mission and then having an actual outcome that that is, has moved business forward, moved your career forward, moved the company forward, moved opportunity forward, all those things. And so we're really trying to think about, again, what is going to be happening? What can we see down the road that maybe our, our employees are not seeing yet because they're they have to focus in on today? And so from that perspective, that is a, a really important part. And then it's about scoping the information. How am I going to be thinking about that information? And which ways do I communicate that to the team? Am I going to be a panic-oriented leader? Somebody who says, you know, here's what's coming. The recession's coming. And we've all got to batten down the hatches. And we're, you know, we're, we're going to have to just hold down the fort and all those type mm-hmm. of comments. Or actually thinking ahead and seeing the challenges that are there, but then finding ways to remove the obstacles that they might fa- be facing before they even get there. If you can do that, I think you're you talk about winning over your your employees. I mean, that's that's where you start to see where there's real engagement. Uh, back to the term we were using earlier, that uh, your your employees yeah. are going to be on on the on the plan. Yeah, I'm really glad you talked about 
you know, one of the things you said when you were talking about the, the distinction between management and leadership was moving things forward or management's keeping the lights on and leadership's moving things forward. And the way we talk about a lot, a lot of the training that, uh, that, that we do in our company, the difference is having a vision or just keeping things going or in a vision and creating that and then lead, moving things forward to that. And you use the word mission, which yeah. is very similar. Like, is there a mission? And y'all, yeah. if you don't have a mission or a vision for your career or for your company, then you probably are just managing it. And that's okay. You need managers, but at some point you've, someone's got to put a stake in the ground and say, Hey, that's over there. That's where we're headed. And it's, it can be difficult. I mean, you're in one of those industries that's moving hundred miles an hour and you, you're having to pull out the crystal ball or read the tea leaves for, for where you're going to lead them. One of the things that comes up a lot uh, that I hear with leaders is, well, Ben, I don't want to talk, I don't want to communicate the mission or vision because I don't know if it's the right one because things are changing so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's your, and since your, your industry is constantly in, in motion like that, what's your advice for leaders who, who maybe have that fear about putting a stake in the ground for what they want, want their mission or vision to be? Well, I think number one, and, and we are trying to live up to this on a regular basis is you need a feedback loop. Uh, if you're going to make it as a leadership team, you have to hear from the organization and, uh, it's very difficult to, to really lead. If you're not understanding where, you know, even just from an emotional perspective, a safety perspective, a commitment perspective, you know, where the employees are at that particular point in time. And it's it's going to be a moving target. Um, so it, it needs to be a regular feedback loop. Uh, you know, for, for us, we strongly believe that, that the values of our company are set by our employees, even to a good extent, the purpose of our companies are set by our employees. We can provide vision. Mm -hmm as a leadership unit and want to help and, and guide. But in the same breath, if we've got people who are expressing themselves about this is what we care about and what's driving us, we have to be in tune with that. Um, and so mm -hmm. all those things, I think just even have a productive work environment, even just coming back to an office, we had to really listen to what the employees were saying were going to be important to them to feel safe and that they could concentrate on what they needed to do. And that they felt like that they could actually have an impact on the, the the hybrid work environment that we're all trying to master these days. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so good. And I like that. You're like, yeah, best way to know if you need to change things up or, or you feel confident in the vision you're setting is to have a mechanism for feedback because man, it's better to know sooner than later if things need to be tweaked. And you talked about data. It sounds like you're talking about employee feedback. It, is, it um, is. And like your hybrid work environment, I think those are all all great ways to do it. And even those have to be safe, right, Ben? I mean, you have to feel comfortable as an employee to, to express yourself <laughs> and not feel yeah. like a, a, a repercussion that could be coming because I yeah. spoke up. Will I get fired if I say I don't agree with the vision? Uh, right. You know, how, yeah, and creating that kind of feedback. And that's not easy. It's sure it's easy. It's easier to maybe do it in an anonymous fashion. But it's hard to get anonymous feedback because sometimes it's not helpful or it's too mysterious. And ideally, you want a feedback loop that allows some dialogue and explanation yep. uh, and give you an opportunity to really deep dive on it. Yeah, I, th I, th I feel for the leaders out there that might be listening in and thinking, I've got a small unit. How do I do that? I mean, our, 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 mm -hmm. our company is not 
incredibly massive, but we've got a, a strong domestic presence and we operate in 32 states now across the country and and there's over 700 people within the company. And so I think we've looked at it in a couple of different perspectives. One is, I think you can use anonymous feedback when you think about it in a broad-based level. If we can get a high respondent level, your averages are probably telling a story there. And if you're not willing to look introspectively and say, actually, we need to improve in this area, we've got we've got some things that, that we're probably not doing right if we're, if we're not willing to improve there. I think when it comes down to sort of that one-on-one feedback, we've changed quite a bit on how we approach is really driven off of the new generation coming in to the Mm. workforce on how we create feedback loops as well, which was, you know, we're no longer an annualized uh, review process, performance management process. We move that performance management process into a weekly interaction. And we use a tool that's allowing for us to communicate that on on a weekly basis on how people are feeling and how they're, how they're doing Mm. and are they getting the proper notification is it in writing? Do I am I crystal clear? Right, I and mean, people always talk about a need for clarity. Well, if you're only getting feedback truly when that manager manager is not or a leader is not ready to to give feedback or isn't capable of giving feedback, um, if they're going to bundle it to the end of the year and it's already in arrears, you're very unlikely to obviously have a change in the outcome. Uh, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I can remember back in the day uh, when I worked in in, in a few corporations and the annual review process i was trying to think back to like january or february or the pre of that yeah, year like yeah. i couldn't even remember what i did right i always kind of felt like the results and uh, the feedback i got was always extremely uh much more heavily weighted to what i did recently oh totally so I, I was like man i'm gonna have a great november or a great october and, and to your point, if you can get it more frequently, it allows you to make more modifications and improvements. Uh, is the feedback, so tell me a little bit more about, tell us about, about the technology or like, how is that work? How is that working um, on a weekly basis? Is it an electronic thing? Is it a conversation? So we had what is talked it? about this in our first year. We actually started to, to delve into it in our second year of existence. Mm-hmm. And now that we're entering our third year, it's actually implemented. But it's uh, a, 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 from a technology perspective. I feel like I'm I'm a technologist today, or I'm I'm, I'm pushing some SaaS software here. But uh, fifteen five is the is the, the group that we we work with, um, and it's integrates ironically into Slack as well. But that wasn't the necessary component of what drove us. It was the idea of creating a communication or a feedback loop on a regular basis. So okay. ability yep. to do something as simple as giving a high five or just giving. A, a kudos to someone that you feel like you do it, but we're all running. Did you really do it? And now we yeah. have an accounting track of like, you know, again, how often are you actually praising some good work? Everyone has good work in their days or their weeks, and it's nice to be notified or recognized for that. Uh, the other is, you know, we, we've always supported the idea of doing weekly one-on-ones between their management and their employees. Uh, the idea of this now being sort of an ongoing recorded basis rather than living in an email living on someone's uh, uh, laptop or just the idea that maybe it was never really recorded. Now, all of a sudden, you can go back and look. How are things going? We can go back to October at the end of the fiscal year, which ends in June, and be able to to recall that that item you were talking about before and say, remember, look, we were here, and now we've moved this to here, and you've made some real progress, and you deserve the credit for that. So um, really excited about this this transition. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great way to prompt people to remember. I think most people want to show appreciation 
And I think probably most leaders think, hey, I did a great job of that. We do shout outs in our staff meetings and all that. <laughs> but there's really not always a good record. Uh, people do a terrible job of thinking about what they're doing to contribute sometimes, and they can't remember. And so by having a technology involved from the bare minimum, it helps prompt people to, to remember to do it. No, no. Well, in our newest generation of work workers, they're yeah, coming let's talk about that. For us, right? So they've... Um, there's a couple of clear things, and I'm not breaking news here, but it's something that we've actually seen practically play out. One is, is that they care about what the company purpose is, maybe more than previous generations did. Am I working for a company that actually has a purpose, and am I aligned with that purpose, and do I do I care about that purpose, and do I want to support that purpose? And so from that perspective, that is something that needs to be determined up front. It's part of our mm -hmm. orientation process, part of our interview process. And it actually relates to our recruiting process. So you think about how far that backs up in into the into the actual uh, overall process. It's pretty interesting to see how that happens. And we weave that through into our discussions and then our onboarding sort of su supports that, that thought process. The secondary component of it is, is that they care deeply about how their career path is going to be shaped. And so if you're not ready to have that discussion as a manager or a leader uh, with your employees on a regular basis, those that have entered in the last three years, let's say in particular, uh, and that are going to be driving maybe the future of your company, we're probably missing an opportunity. Yeah. And I think that's when companies are experiencing higher churn rates. Um, we saw our churn rates go down significantly when we came back to an office. So as much as people love working from home, the idea of having some connection or a community of people that they see at least on a partial week-by-week -week mm -hmm. basis was something that was important. The secondary component that we saw through that process was there was more opportunity for that management to speak with that employee about their performance rather than just assuming that they did it in a group setting or when you're doing it through Zoom and that impact of being one-on-one -on -one and having a discussion. And then listening again, like just maybe they came into the company in this direction. Now we have an ability as a more lattice-focused company to be able to move them into other parts of the company if they just came in under the auspices of one interest area, but now see that maybe they're a better fit for another. So all those things are really beneficial to us by having a, a more regular wow. feedback. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing those findings. And I do think people might be surprised to hear that, uh, yeah. that bringing people to office is so darn helpful when it comes to retention, when people have been, you know, working from home. But I, 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 I really can see that happening because the community focus, the in-person in relationships and mentorship and the overall focus of the company, but it, I, I can definitely improve by being in person right now for my, I, you're not fully in person, right? So you're, you're a hybrid entity. Is hybrid, how many days most a week? Of our, yeah. Most of our offices are now open. We actually, it's a pretty interesting. So it's taken another step further. Mm -hmm. We can actually see the difference between our largest office in New York, our headquarters in, in Berlin, suburban Philadelphia area, and then two other of our larger offices, Chicago and Los Angeles. Berlin and New York are open and have been for a few months. And we've been working hard to get Chicago, which will open this week, and Los Angeles, which right. will open next month. There's actually a jealousy level that's been expressed by the people who aren't back in yet. And oh. so you sort of think mm -hmm. it might be the opposite of sort of fretting coming back. But no, they've seen some of the, the they've heard some of the stories. They've seen some of the engagement that's happened in that on that level. And, and, they're, and they're jealous of it. And, and again, if I sort of think about it, this new workforce coming in, I just look back to my career. 22 to 29, I was in such an observational mode. I just tried to soak up as much as I possibly could of 
the people that I was around. And I was fortunate to be around some interesting leaders at that point in my life. And so from that perspective, I could really go towards the things that are or get attracted towards the things that I, I saw that were really interesting mm-hmm. and saw the reaction that it got from, from our, my peers. And then the things I thought, you know, maybe I'll parse that out and I won't use that as part of me as I become, you know, further along in my career and taking on leadership and management roles. So um, you think about that, if you're not in an office setting about how do you do that uh, on, on the same level? And it's not always just in a meeting or on a Zoom call. It's the observation of how someone treats someone in, in a hallway, how they engage when you're not actually in a meeting and and uh, the things that I was really intrigued by back uh, in, in my 20s. Um, I, I really look forward to that for our Chicago and Los Angeles offices to be back with the rest of us are and, and getting that opportunity to, to sort of learn from each other that way. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a home run for y'all. Uh, congratulations on it. I know from speaking to you and other people on the on the show and clients, it's not easy for the leader to do that because you're you're facing expectations from employees. You're 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 changing people's lifestyles and your own. Yeah, and it's you you have to create really a new routine for a lot of people. And yeah, the, hi- the hybrid is that. the hybrid is the key, right? Is the idea for us at least is this idea yeah. of flexibility. And the flexibility can be determined even by the employee. So we didn't want to become too heavy handed. I do like the idea of sort of an all play day. So we've been engaging with one day a week, at least where everyone's uh, supposed Mm -hmm. to come in that day. And it just creates a better interest, a better vibe. And then as we shape up the rest of the week, give the flexibility that people are needing in today's work world and work-life balance issues and the things that that we all face. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback so far. Craig, what is your parting thought for our listeners today? Oh, as it relates, Ben, I think to, to leadership, it's this idea of being willing to to evolve. I, I really think, you know, uh, as I got into leadership roles and started to see some success, that it would sustain me through the rest of my career. And what I've mm-hmm. really realized, specifically in the last three years, is just how much even, uh, you know, I need to evolve in my career to be able to be that much more effective and wanting to continue to grow. And what, and what does that look like? I think a lot of that is, you know, making sure that, you know, I'm, I'm staying deeply connected on a personal level to the people within the organization. And then thinking about what does that mean? Am I truly present in the moment or am I so busy as well that it's hard to stay present? So if you, if you mm. can do that, stay present in the moment, really hear what's going on. There is a pulse to every organization and they're trying to tell you exactly how they feel. And so if you can stay in tune with it, I think you're just going to have so much more success. Ooh, great place to start and end, which is on a great leadership strategy there. What is the pulse of your organization leaders and how are you staying on top of it? Craig, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.